listening to the Week Ahead podcast from Strong Towns, hosted by me, Rachel Quedno. This is your chance to catch up on the latest events and goings-on behind the scenes of the Strong Towns organization. Tune in every Monday for more updates. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Week Ahead podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and my guest today is Strong Towns member and occasional guest writer, Tim Wright. Tim, welcome to the Strong Towns podcast. Thanks, Rachel. How are you doing today? Good. I'm a little bit under the weather, so sorry about that. But um, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, getting the week started. It's gotten a little chilly down here. We're expecting some snow, so that's got us all <laughs> excited. And, you know, the south kind of shuts down whenever it snows, so we'll see how that goes tomorrow. Yeah. So you're in Shreveport, Louisiana, right? I am, Correct. So do you want to take like 30 seconds to just tell uh, our audience a little bit about you and your involvement with Strong Towns and what you do in Shreveport? Sure. Um, So I've lived in Shreveport for uh, a little over two years now. I'm a civil engineer. I work for a consulting firm. And um, uh, I heard of Strong Towns, I guess, two years ago. And um, I had a couple of friends that organized an event to host Chuck here in Shreveport. And so we had him here and we've been, you know, fans of the site and of all the podcasts and ideas and and we've been able to kind of put some of the Strong Towns ideas into practice uh, in Treeport. So it's been it's been really exciting and love having resources that Strong Towns has. Cool. So the recent piece that you shared on our website uh, came out last week and it was called Inspired Park Project Takes Root in Treeport. And you guys uh as part of your reform Shreveport group um, helped to kind of clean up and prevent erosion and replenish the soil in a local park. So tell me about this project and how it uh, came about. After we hosted uh, a curbside chat, um, we kind of, we were uh, discussing the event and coming up with one kind of one principle that we wanted to take away or one thing that stuck out to those of us that um, organized the event and kind of that one principle was that talked about was finding the next best step forward and, um, and finding that in our own community and maybe not necessarily coming up with a grand scheme of, Oh, we'll, we'll do this and this and this, but just taking that next step, kind of what we decided on is that, well, we've got a park that's um, in one of the core neighborhoods uh, close to our downtown and uh, it's in a poor uh, neighborhood. And we thought, you know, let's, uh, let's just uh, decide on this park and, uh, let's use that principle of just finding the next best step forward um, in improving this park. And so we um, uh, we went out to uh, pick up trash originally. And like you mentioned, we ended up uh, implementing some erosion control measures and um, and kind of replenishing the soil in the park. And I described that on the on the article. And it's been it's been cool just to, you know, you you kind of take, take a step forward and, and people see that and they, uh, input their own ideas. And uh, that's kind of how that Highland Park project got started. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about this <clears throat> was that you guys worked with several other organizations in kind of a mutually beneficial way. Like I know you mentioned that you used like trees from a local tree trimming operation and in that manner, they were able to like avoid having to deal with 
um, dropping them off somewhere and you guys were able to use this like tree leftover material for your project. So it was really mutually beneficial. And I know you worked with some other organizations too. So that's, uh, that's really promising when you can get those local partners to participate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, <laughs> so that's the thing about these projects is you'll learn so much. And, you know, as we worked, um, so there's uh, a neighbor of ours called John Paul Young and, uh, he was the one that had the idea for all these erosion control measures. And he had a urban farm in his front yard, just maybe a block or two away from the park. And um, he had this really innovative way of, of, um, of catching, you know, water whenever it rains in his yard instead of just letting it run off. And so, he, you know, he approached us and said, we could do this, you know, in our neighborhood park as well, um, which was a great idea. And, you know, then we come, came up against kind of the challenge that you mentioned is, where do we get all this material from? And um, you need lots of uh, material like wood chips and logs. And what you essentially do is you create kind of these berms um, in a park that was really hilly to kind of stop that water from flowing down the hill and replenish the soil. And so in that process, we were able to, um, our first event, we kind of used some tree trimmings that our local power company had cut down. And, you know, you see this, uh, all across the, uh, across a lot of different cities where power companies will kind of just mangle these trees, um, in neighborhoods. And it's kind of sad, but thankfully in our case, we were able to uh, reuse that material and to replenish our park. And so, uh, after that first day, we, we said, you know, I'm sure there's, there's gotta be another way that we could find all this plant, you know, dead plant material. And so that's where our, uh, our partnership with the tree trimming company really came in handy. So they, you know, these tree trimming companies, they get paid to, to drop off all their limbs at a company that then uh, chips them up. But, you know, by working with them, we were able to save them money. We got free materials. And so we were able to kind of find, you know, work the system, I guess, if you want to call it that in our favor and, and do something for a very low cost. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what are your next steps? It sounds like you've been able to kind of leverage this into working directly with the city. Yes, we have. After we had that first work day, the park was all of a sudden had a bunch of berms with logs and plant material. And so we wanted to uh, touch base with the uh, with our parks and recreation department um, to let them know what we were doing. And thankfully, we had a city councilman at our first uh, work day. And so he was able to get us in touch with the parks and rec director and we you know, let them know what we were doing. And it was really out of the ordinary for the way that the parks and rec department normally does uh, business, but we were able to kind of share what we were doing and they were op very open to it. And so over time that led to us having a few meetings out there with a couple of their project directors. I mean, we started this over a year ago. And so over time we've been able to form a partnership and um, we've been able to learn about, uh, some bond money that was passed. Um, I think it was in 2011 um, <clears throat> that the money, the parks and rec department had set aside to improve the park. And so we've been able to kind of work with them to figure out how to, uh, how to best utilize that money that um, is in line with what the neighborhood wants. Your efforts on this park project are happening as part of the group that you guys founded called Reform Shreveport. Is that right? Like you guys are kind of leading this? Yes. Yep. That's a Reform Shreveport project. 
Awesome. And I know that's an organization that you started to help Shreveport grow stronger and inspired in part by Strong Towns, which is super exciting. Um, And in the last couple of weeks through our new local conversations map, we've learned about a bunch of other groups that are taking similar action or at least beginning similar conversations in their own communities. So I wanted to remind all of our listeners, if you haven't already, to visit strongtowns.org slash local to find out about those Strong Towns related conversations and activities that are happening in your area. Uh, And if you don't see anything that's happening near you, you can take the initiative to get it started. So head to strongtowns.org slash local to check that out. Um, Tim, listeners might be familiar with Shreveport specifically because we've highlighted it several times on our website and podcast, um, mostly in talking about this inner city highway project that's been proposed to go through the city. Um, and we've shared several stories from the people that, you know, might be impacted by that and how they're fighting to stop the highway. I know that you've been involved in those efforts. Are there any updates that you can share on this situation with our listeners or is it kind of still at a stasis point i haven't been as plugged into the conversation in the last few months um but from what i know um the uh kind of their efforts have really centered around park and uh, preserving that because that park is in the middle of a couple of the uh, freeway road routes <laughs> and so yeah. um i believe there might have been uh, some type of designation uh applied to the park um that would prevent that road from going through there because there's, I believe there's a historical site there. And so I believe there's been, um, some, some progress made on that. Um, cause you know, there's, there's so much, so much history, especially in an inner city, uh, neighborhood along the road of any major infrastructure improvement. And so the efforts uh, have kind of centered around that and, um, and using those, uh, you know, those really key things that, you know, it's, really a key part of our city and our history and we want to you know keep that so that's the latest from from that issue got it well we'll keep uh keep people update on that as we hear from our friends in Shreveport um I wanted to take a minute to thank the newest members of the Strong Towns movement uh the people that joined us last week include Daniel Bachhuber of Tualatin, Oregon, Emmeline Fabich of Dayton, Ohio, Mark Glenn of Chicago, Illinois, Gabrielle Greer of Peru, Indiana, Christopher Green of Wichita, Kansas, A. Hogan of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Thomas Robertson of Augusta, Georgia, John Sanguin of San Marcos, Texas, and Jack Venata of Los Gatos, California. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining the Strong Towns movement. So, Tim, I always ask my guests uh, what they've been reading or listening or watching lately. Um, anything of interest? And it does not have to be directly Strong Towns related. Yeah, um, I guess I'll start off kind of with the Strong Towns related um, book that I've been reading, and I didn't expect it to be kind of related to Strong Towns, um, but I recently was given a book by a friend. Uh, it's called The Cost of Living by Arundhati Roy, and um, it's, by a, it's by a journalist, actually, um, that was in India in the, I believe it was the 1990s, and, um, and there was a series of projects that the government, um, the government uh, went through constructing. Um, they went co- through constructing a lot of these large... Um, large dams on a bunch of the bigger rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, in India. And so the author kind of uh, outlines how there was these large struggles over these dams. Cause you had the, uh, you had the government 
um, implementing them. And these are you know, huge, basically mega projects to make these really large reservoirs. And um, she outlines how, uh, how there's a lot of promises that come along with these reservoirs. Like, oh, we'll be able to have all this new development and we'll be able to you know, do all these things that we couldn't do before. And we'll be able to concentrate all this water and pipe it places. Um, and so she describes the struggle between the group that wants to build it. And then you've got all of these communities that have lived, lived in these river valleys for thousands of years. And, uh, and their way of life would basically be, <laughs> be destroyed by making this reservoir because it flood the areas that they lived on for several years. And so, um, the author talks about the struggle between those two groups and, um, how, the few dams that are constructed don't <laughs> provide as much benefits as they would, um, as they originally promised. And <laughs> I'm sure all this is starting to sound very familiar. Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of, uh, it, it's kind of cool. It kind of highlights what strong towns really goes through is that a lot of times it's not, you know, these, you can't just think, and this is, you know, somewhere where I've grown as an engineer is that you can't think of these projects just in the numbers and, 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 uh, some of the more the more physical built environment side of it, but when you think of it in terms of social connections and the way that um, projects kind of um, different development projects can kind of interrupt kind of these all these social interactions and structures that have been up for a long time, they have kind of effects that we don't really realize um, uh, after the fact. And so that book was really interesting in that regard. Well, something that I recently tuned into is a TV show on Netflix um, called Fauda, and it's about uh, Israeli undercover unit uh, that's kind of it, it's it basically tells uh, a slice of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict story, definitely from the Israeli side, um, but it's it's kind of a thriller, uh, but really interesting and about a part of the world that I've. I've always been fascinated by it. never been able to visit, but um, I hope to visit there at some point. So definitely an entertaining and mildly educational show <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah. I, that's something I don't know much about either. <laughs> All that, those conflicts are really, really confusing, but I know the few times when I do get a, a book or article that explains it clearly, it's like, Oh, it's always the light bulb always goes on. But yeah, absolutely. Tim, thanks for being on the podcast and thanks for all that you do to uh, be part of this movement and advance the conversation in Shreveport. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.